0: They will be going with Mr. Luke upstairs, parents, so that's where they're going to have their lesson, the rest of us. We're going to continue in our verse-by-verse study in the book of Ephesians. So if you'll turn in the New Testament, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, we're going to begin reading at verse 8. We're going to cover verses 8 through 20. And you need a Bible, just raise your hand. And Jerry will slip you a Bible so you can study God's Word with us this morning. So Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 8 through 20 will be our study and our text here this morning. Now you recall that in this section of Ephesians, which Paul began in chapter 4, that he says that you and I as Christians were to walk worthy of the calling in which we were called. We are instructed and we are exhorted in how we are to live for Christ. That simply means what manner of life... That we live. Why? Because of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, because of what Christ has done for us. All the spiritual blessings that are yours and mine that come from Christ that are found in Christ. And then chapter 4, 5, and 6, this is how you live for Christ. You're not to no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. That term means unbelievers. Because we belong to Christ. We've been rescued by Christ because we were spiritually dead, chapter 2. But Jesus came and went to the cross for you and for me. He died for our sins. He was put in the grave. He came forth from the grave alive. And now we've been rescued as we put our faith and trust in him. And now the apostle tells us and reminds us that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works beforehand that we should walk in them. So as we discussed quite extensively in chapter 2, that we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. You see, in Paul's other prison epistle, the book of Philippians, he pens in chapter 2, verse 13, that it is God that works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We know that John the Revelator, when he was taken up into heaven in Revelation chapter 4, that he saw the 24 elders that are before the throne and casting down their crowns to him who sits on the throne, and they were singing, you have created all things, and for your good pleasure they were and are created. So we are saved by grace through faith, it's not of works, it's the gift of God, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. Are we clear on that? We need to be established in that truth. And so as we are saved by grace through faith, but the Lord wants to do a good work in us and through us. As Paul prayed in chapter 3, he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And that should really excite us as Christians, that God wants to work through me and in me of his good pleasures. Yes, he does. And so the apostle here telling us how it is that we are to live, the things that we are to do. And as we saw last week as we opened up chapter 5, that he instructs you and I that we are to, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. In other words, chapter 4, walk in this manner. And what you do, first of all, is put off the old man. And that's what you and I need to do and and what we're instructed to do. It isn't that Jesus is added to our old life, but Jesus becomes new. He is our life. He has saved us. He's rescued us. And now we're a new creature in Christ. All things have become new. Uh, We have regeneration, born again by the Spirit of God. And so with that happening in our lives, now this is what you do to live for him. And know that we are to put off the, the former things. Don't live any longer as the Gentiles. And you're to mimic Christ, or that is, be imitators of God, dear children. And as we do, these are the things that we saw last week in verses 1 through 7. First of all, walk in love. Walk in love. Put away uncleanness and fornication. That's not love. That's the world's definition of love, isn't it? But you see, the Bible calls it lust. There's a big difference. And you're not to sin with your tongue, and it's not even to be named among you, or you're not to partake in it. And those who do partake in those things, continually in those things, will not inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. That's what the apostle writes here. So we're to walk in love, and now as we continue this morning, we're going to see that we are to walk in light, and then Paul's going to tell us, to walk in wisdom. So, Lord, we desire for our hearts to be open right now to you, our ears listening, uh, desiring to be taught as we go through the Word here. And, Father, I pray that we would remember that our cell phones need to be turned off, and we want to be still in our seats because we only have a few minutes here that will go by very quickly to spend time in your Word together as a body. And so, Lord, may we be teachable and attentive, and Lord, expecting you to speak to our hearts as your word goes forth. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, verse 8, as we pick up our text this morning in Ephesians 5 For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. And isn't it worth noting here and kind of interesting that Paul writes that you were once darkness? Not that you were in darkness, you were darkness. You were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord, and now we are to walk in light. We are children of light. Now again in chapter 4, as I mentioned to you, that, that we're not to walk as unbelievers who, as the Apostle wrote, have their understanding darkened. You see, those who are unbelievers, they're not enlightened with the things of the Lord. They don't understand spiritual things. And here shortly, we're going to have the fruits of darkness listed for us. But now as believers, we are to not only walk in love, verses 1 through 7, but here in verses 8 through 14, we are to walk in the light, because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is in us. And you might recall in a recent study of Peter in First Peter chapter chapter 2, remember that the apostle writes that you've been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, it's a marvelous light. We've been brought out of the darkness. We, we've come to the light. One of the things that, um, you, you know, when we were kids, we lived in, a, in, a, in an old house, and you go down the basement, and it was steps that went this way, and then down into the basement, and it was dark, and the laundry room was down there, and some, a freezer was down there. So, you know, we'd have to go down and, and, you know, get some clothes maybe that mom had washed or something out of the freezer. And, And at night it was real spooky, especially. And at night, you go down and you turn on the light. When you're a little kid, that's kind of a big deal. And so what we would do to each other once in a while, if John was down there, I'd turn the light off when he was down there in the basement, and he'd freak out, and he'd do the same thing to me. But being in that darkness was something that we realized was a scary thing, wasn't a good thing. We wanted to be in the light. And any of us, when we go into a dark room, what do we do? We turn the light on. And that's what we're to do spiritually, We are to have the light of the world, Jesus Christ, in us, radiating from us, being evident in our lives. Why, when being brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light, why would you want to go back in the darkness? You see, that's what the apostle is writing here. But just put off that stuff. You walk in light, you know, and you are not to be having anything to do with the darkness. You don't have to be in the dark, and the world is dark. And the world is getting more dark, darker and darker all the time. But as we continue, what are we to be about? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Once you were darkness, but now children of the light, you know what is acceptable in the sight of the Lord. The things that were listed here in in verses three and four but fornication, uncleanness, covetousness shouldn't be named among you, neither the, the sins of the tongue, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. You're not to be about that, but rather giving of thanks. You're to put those things off. You know that those things are not acceptable to God, they need to go. They're part of darkness. I'm not to live in a darkness. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to partake in those things with those who do it, but rather what is good and righteous and true before God. That is to be a part of our lives as Christians. As God's light shines in our hearts, it will move us towards that goodness in righteousness and truth." Now, goodness has more of the meaning of, oh, you're a good boy or you're a good girl. It has a deeper meaning. It it speaks of desiring to be a blessing to others, to meet others' needs, to minister to those who have need or those who are hurting. And of course, we live in a society where we're self-focused, self-centered, it's all about us, what do I want? And even that is infiltrating more and more into the church. But as Christians, we should be moving in goodness, desiring to help others, hurting uh, people that we can reach out to and minister to. We should be looking for opportunities, sensitive to the leading of the Lord in that. And one of the, the great blessings that I get to experience and have as a pastor is to see how you, you guys, are moving in goodness. I hear about how uh, many of you are reaching out to others, not only here in the church that are hurting and, and praying for them and ministering to them and helping them out in practical ways, but in the community as well. You're a tremendous blessing, and it speaks of the Lord in your life, a witness and testimony of the reality of Jesus Christ, and your light manifesting out into a dark world. So we are to be, the fruit is all goodness, and then righteousness. And, of course, that speaks of just which is right, doing the right things in God's perspective, doing what is right before God. And then truth is not just a spoken thing, but it speaks of that we live in truth. You see, it speaks of godly integrity and character and honesty and reliability. You're a man and woman of the Word of God. You're a man and woman of godly character and integrity and how we need that desperately in this world today, how we need that in the church. You're reliable. You're a man and woman of your word. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. No more than that, that you give your word on certain things, that you're committed, that you care, and that you're one that you are just uh, walking in truth, walking in the ways of the Lord. The, the fruit of the light of God shining in you and me. And then verse 11, as we read, "...and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them." Now, we are familiar with that verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, that, as we read, "...don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship the apostle writes, has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness." You see, light and darkness cannot exist together. They're mutually exclusive. In other words, so you go into that dark basement in the dark. What do you do? Do you yell at the dark? Do you rebuke the dark? No, you turn the light on, don't you? So when you turn on the light, it expels the darkness. So a container is either lit or it's dark. And the reason I'm mentioning that to you is because there are those who will come to you and to me and tell us, that Christians can be demon possessed, And I get people that worry about that all the time. You know, am I demon possessed? No, if you have the light Jesus Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So if you have the light of Jesus Christ in you, a demon cannot possess you. Now, the enemy is going to come against us, is going to tempt us, is going to try to oppress us. Certainly, I understand that. We'll talk more about that when we get to chapter 6, as we're told to put on the whole armor of God because it is a spiritual war out there. But to possess a Christian, no. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You have the light of Jesus Christ that is in your heart. A container is either lit or is dark. One of the things that I had this week was... uh, Challenging week in a number of ways, but on Wednesday I had a lady that called me. She heard me on the radio, and she insisted on driving 200 miles to come up and see me and talk with me. And as I was talking to her, trying to figure out why the urgency, she said, "Well, I want to tell you what I've witnessed, what uh, what I've seen." And she began to talk about some of the Calvary pastors that are on the radio that I know that are, you know, friends of mine, that are men of, of the word of God and integrity. And, and she was talking again about that she has a special ministry, being able to see demons that are manifested in people. And I said, what are you saying? Uh, these pastors have demons inside of them? Oh, yes, they do, and I need to come and tell you about it. Well, I told her this, you know, don't bother coming up. Don't make the trip. Because it's utter nonsense, what she was saying. And there are those that get so focused on, you know, demon this and Christian and demon in that Christian, and she can tell what kind of demon it was. And, of course, she made it all up. It's not in the scripture. I can tell if they have the demon of anger, the demon of gluttony, the demon of lust and all of this. And so it was a strange conversation. Either You have the light of Jesus Christ in you, or you're in darkness. And that's what Paul is saying here. But they cannot exist together. Oh, the enemy will come and try to pull you into darkness. We can end up doing works of darkness. But a demon cannot possess a Christian. And then John writes in his epistle in 1 John, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So again, to be deceived, you don't want to be if you're walking in darkness and, and say that you're in the light. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what you and I, to live in such a way that we're exposing the darkness to others. You see, we're to have more than just a passive attitude of darkness. And the best way to expose darkness is to shine the light when you're living for Christ. When you're living in that goodness, right? Righteousness and truth, when you're living in that way, in a way that Paul has been discussing in this section of Ephesians, it's going to expose the sinfulness and darkness that is all around us. And listen, we don't do it in an arrogant, haughty, prideful kind of way. We don't go around like we're a flashlight, you know, pointing at everybody and saying, well, you got this darkness and you got this darkness and you do this and you do that. No, rather in the way that you live your life and conduct yourself and as you're speaking truth and living in truth, you're going to expose the darkness. A believer has no business walking in darkness. Remember John chapter 3 when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. He said, and this is the condemnation, Jesus said to him, that the light has come into the world. That's me, Nicodemus. And men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Jesus telling us that men rather live in darkness than come to the light. Come to me. And the light exposes the darkness. And that's why when you are a Christian and you're living after the Lord, and the reality of Christ is in you that people will become very hostile towards you and I. is because it exposes the darkness. And they don't like that. And they'd rather be in the darkness. So they get upset with you and with me. In verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. In other words, the guys at work, out in the field, or on the construction site, or in the office. Maybe those at school, wherever it might be. They want to tell you tomorrow of all about the weekend that they had. All their exploits and all the juicy details. You don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to participate in that. And yuck it up with them and all that. It's a shame to talk about those things. And you and I, as children of the light, we are to expose those things. You are bringing in the light to reveal it, those things that expose by the light. That is what light does. It exposes, doesn't it? It reveals. I've been cleaning my office. We've been doing some work up there. And there's one uh, evening that I was dusting it, and I thought I really had dust it dusted well. And the next morning, it's the only window that we have in the building but when the sun comes up in the east it shines right through that window and then the next morning when i came in the light was coming in and i can tell all the places that i missed and all the dirt and dust and the corners and on certain things and books that i didn't dust off it exposed the dust and the dirt and that's what happens when we have the light of jesus christ in us it exposes the darkness of the world it exposed the darkness that, that we have a tendency to be pulled into and expose the darkness of others. And that's what you and I are to do, to reveal that, to expose that, so we can tell people in love about the light of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul says that we're to avoid unfruitful works of darkness. But that doesn't mean that we're not a witness to those who are in darkness. Because people need to know about the light, Jesus Christ, don't they? And we need to be ones that we care about the lost. And we want to manifest the light to them. Not so it's like, look how bright I am. But you too can come into the light. You don't have to live in that darkness. The world is getting darker and darker all the time. And many of us, as we read here, when we came to the light of the world, Jesus we didn't realize how dark our lives were how dark the sin was that we were involved in we we eyes were open we were enlightened to those things and it is a marvelous light that we have come to jesus christ to be freed from that and we know that the world is getting darker and darker isn't it by the, you know every day that we pass and so we are to manifest the light it exposes the darkness and we can be a witness to others. In verse 14, as the apostle then says, Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So Paul issues this invitation for those who are asleep spiritually to wake up. It's also an invitation for those who are asleep in darkness to come to the light. Now, verse 14 comes in part from Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, where Isaiah writes, Arise and shine, for your light has come, speaking, of course, of Jesus who would come, the light of the world? He has come, and and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It, it's also a little side note. Believe historians think that Paul is just quoting from a, a early church hymn here as well. So Paul has told us to walk first of all in love, verses one through seven. And then verses 8 through 14, we are to walk in light. You and I manifest that light. Remember that Jesus said that you don't light a lamp and then put it under a bed. You don't put it under a basket, but what do you do? You put it on a lampstand. And you and I, as we have the light, again, to manifest that light. Don't don't put it under a bed. Don't put it under a basket. Don't put it under whatever the things of the world that you can get involved in. Sin, carnality, don't put it under that. Put it to where people can see the reality of Jesus Christ in you. But now we're going to see that he's going to talk about walking in wisdom, which is, again, very important. So walking in love, walking in the light, and then thirdly, walking in wisdom, verses 15 through 20. Verse 15, we read, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming a time because the days are evil. This is really important. The word circumspect means to watch with careful attention to the details. Be discreet. It means watch where you're going. Look around. Pay attention. Paul says, wake up. Don't walk foolishly, but you be watchful. It's amazing how many times in the New Testament that we're told to be watchful, to to be sober, to be vigilant, to walk Wisely, be careful. And I've known Christians that perhaps the Lord wanted to use in, in a wonderful way. That they really could have made a mark in people's lives. But they end up experiencing difficulties and, and you know, consequences that are very negative and hard. Because they're living foolish lives. Because they're not walking wisely. Because they're snoozing. They don't walk wisely. They weren't careful. Because they got caught up in sin. They weren't awake concerning what the Word of God has to say about filthiness and fornication, the things that we're being warned about in this chapter. Wake up, he says. Walk wisely. Pay careful attention. Don't be fooled. Don't be tricked. Hey, what's going on over there? I see it. And and it's not light. It's not goodness. It's not righteousness. It comes from the pit of hell. And I'm not going to be tricked or fooled by that. You're looking around. You're wise. You're redeeming the time because the days are evil. The, The lives that are around us are in darkness. And we live in a society that's getting more darker and more evil all the time. Time is running out. I believe that the Lord's coming is very nigh. It's near. And we must not waste time. Redeeming the time, what does it mean? Well, this is what Paul means by this. Redeeming has a root meaning, the idea of buying back a missed opportunity. In other words, I think that Paul is saying, don't waste time. Now here's kind of the ironic thing. We can be so busy, can't we? We have modern technology. We have the smartphones and the computers and all kinds of ways to communicate instantly. And it can be a blessing. It's to improve our lives. We got social media so we can keep up with family and friends and all that. But also we can use it to waste so much time, can't we? And that's where we need to be careful, folks. Redeem the time. What does it mean? Well, let's say you go out for a run. You go out for a walk on the the river trail or out in the park or something. We can redeem the time. We can be smart, folks. You can download on your smartphone the Calvary Chapel Greeley app, right? Right? And, and for me, when I go running in the park, instead of thinking about the aches and pains and huffing and puffing the whole time, I'll listen to one of the teachings. I'll, I'll listen to it or I'll listen to some music. Or sometimes I just like it quiet where I can just kind of talk to the Lord when I'm running, focus on the things of the Lord. You see, that's what it means to redeem the time. You're in traffic. Some of you might have to commute to, you know, a fairly long distance to work or something. And instead of complaining about the traffic and being all stressed out, listen to Grace FM on your car radio. And be blessed. Redeem the time. You see what I'm saying? Some of you may get up at night. You can't sleep. Don't watch stupid info commercials, all right? What do you do? Read your Bible. Be given over to prayer. And we've talked about that in the book of Psalms as David talks about the night watches crying out to the Lord. I know that in the evening time, I was reading a statistic that, you know, over 35% of the internet time is those who are watching Netflix. And again, we can... Watch those things, I'm not saying, don't do that. We can get on all the social media and all of that. But I think that all of us, we've had those times where we spend the evening doing that and time doing that, and we thought, what a waste of time. Why did I watch that? You know Why did I look at all these things and we go to bed kind of yuck. Be wise. Redeem the time. The days are evil. Make sure that you're focused on the things of the Lord. And he builds on this. He said, therefore, don't be unwise, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, as we study God's word, such as what we do every time we gather here, we can know God's will. His will, as we have seen today, is to walk in his love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. To understand the will of the Lord is to, to walk in that wisdom, so not to be concerned for, for what God's will is for your life and how you should live is very unwise, In verse 18, so do not be drunk with wine, in which is the dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Excess of drinking alcohol that will cloud your thinking and actions. Don't be controlled by alcohol. You won't be able to discern what is good and evil. Now today, I get questions of those who will call and they ask, well, now that it's legal, is it okay for me to smoke marijuana? I enjoy it give you a real simple answer no okay and the reason is this is because if you take that and it influences your mind which is going to do that's not the will of god for you be wise you say why why are you being so uptight about this pastor not being uptight walk in wisdom walk in wisdom leviticus chapter 9 here they are dedicating the tabernacle out there in the wilderness. And, and as they're dedicating it, they present the p- priests for ministry. And, and the priests come for ministry. It's a holy happening. And all of a sudden, it, it was so glorious that fire came from heaven. And the people shouted, and they fell on their knees. And two of Aaron's son, Aaron is the high priest, they got all caught up in this holy happening. And they lit their censers, and they ran into the Holy of Holies. And all of a sudden, fire came from heaven and consumed them. They were toast. That was it for them. It was Aaron that was told in chapter 10 that Aaron, make sure that you don't drink wine or intoxicating drink, you or your two sons. He had two other sons that were left. And it indicated that Nabat and Abihu, when they ran into the tabernacle before they got fried by the Lord, that they were drunk when you go into the tabernacle, do not be drinking wine or intoxicating drink, lest you die, that you may distinguish what is holy, what is unholy, between what is clean what is unclean. Let's bring it home a little closer for us today. Don't be filled with anything that's going to cloud your thinking and is going to make you to where you cannot discern between what is holy and unholy, what is clean, what is unclean. That you are being influenced by that substance, alcohol, drugs, listen, or anything else, worldly things, carnal things, pornography, carnality, just junk of the world. Do not be influenced by that. We're to renew our minds, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's what you and I are to do. That's how we walk in wisdom, isn't it? That's how we walk in wisdom. And if you don't live in that way as a Christian, listen, you're going to get burnt. You are going to get burnt. And you're going to do things and you're going to say things that you wish you never did. And you're going to experience negative consequences and repercussions for that because you are influenced by alcohol, drugs, or whatever it is. And it's bad news. And that's why it's a loving father that now comes to us and says that, listen, you need to wake up. You're in the light, no longer in the darkness. And the fruit's of what you are producing is goodness and righteousness and truth. And walk wisely. Don't be caught up in these things. Don't be caught up in it. Because you're going to end up getting hurt. And the Lord desires for us to experience that abundant life that he has for you and for me. Are we understanding that, saints? Are we understanding that? That Christianity isn't just about do's and don'ts and this and that. It's about the Lord coming along and saying, this is how you and I, as we've been rescued by the Lord, to walk with Him in a way that's pleasing to Him and then experience that abundant life that He has for us and to be a light that exposes the darkness and walk in that wisdom so you don't get hurt. The days are evil, He's saying, and I just imagine that Paul, as he's chained to this Roman guard, he's just saying, The days are evil. He's thinking that, oh, don't waste time, don't walk as fools, but be watching circumspectly pay attention spiritually you and i are to do that and how we need that exhortation that instruction especially in the day in which we are living in and as we do that verse 19 speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ when we are filled with the spirit not the things of the world We will have a desire to worship God and encourage others in their worship of God. Our heart full of the Spirit will be a heart filled with joy. And you will rejoice and sing songs to the Lord and you have a song in your heart. When he says that sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it doesn't mean that we have to walk up to each other and go, ah, start singing a hymn. If you want to, go ahead. But he's saying a melody in your heart. You have a song in your heart. Because you're filled with the Spirit. And your heart has joy and thanksgiving. It's very important for us Christians to have thanksgiving. Even if you're going through tough times and difficulties. That we can be thankful because we have the Lord. He's with us in His promises. But again, we can go through life where we murmur and complain against the Lord and It's not pleasing to him. I give thanks because I know I'm going to go to heaven. I give thanks because my sins are forgiven. And that whatever circumstance that I am facing, I know that God is in control of my life. And as you are walking in love and in light and in wisdom, filled with the Spirit of God, you'll have a new song in your heart every single day, continually. Having a heart of worship and joy and thanksgiving. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time of being in your word. We thank you for the instructions and the word of God given to us this morning. So, Father, help us. We need your help. We need you working in our lives. Your word given to us, your spirit to empower us to live in that way that is pleasing to you. Your word to give us wisdom just as we've received today and to be light that we may manifest to others goodness and righteousness and truth. Father, I do pray this morning, if there's anyone here that you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, that Jesus came and died for you. You see, he's not only the light of the world, he is the way, the truth, and the life, he said. He is your salvation, there's none other. And so the Bible declares that we're separated from God because of sin. It isn't church that's going to save you. It isn't your own self that's going to save you. It's only Jesus Christ who's made provision. He's your salvation, and he loves you. And he went to the cross for you, for you specifically, individually, and took your sins upon himself, that as you come in faith, trusting in him, that He's the Son of God who died for you and He rose again from the grave and that He's alive. As you trust in Him. as you surrender to Him. As Lord and Savior. He is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's the one who took your sins upon Himself and made atonement for your sins. That you will have the hope of heaven, eternal life. You'll be forgiven and you'll be a new creation in Christ. Today is the day of salvation. Will you give your life to Jesus if you've never done that? That you would pray right where you're at, Jesus, I come to you right now. And I give my life to you. I confess that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for me, for my sins. Forgive me. And that you're alive. And I now give my life to you. I surrender. I put my faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior. And I thank you for dying for me. And I thank you for saving me. And Lord, as I become your child, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit and help me to live for you, to walk in wisdom, to learn of you, and to grow in knowledge and love of Jesus. It's in his name I pray. If you prayed that prayer as we conclude the service, Jim, one of my elders is up front here, to come and pray with him and tell him the decision you made. If you're listening on live stream, call us during the week. Tell us of any way that the Lord has blessed you today through the teaching or you made a decision for Christ. But for all of us, Lord, help us to walk in light, in love, and in wisdom how we need that word today. And, Lord, we can't do it in and of ourselves. We need you, your word, your spirit filling our hearts so that we can be free, that we can have joy. And, Lord, experience the abundant life that you have for us. We know that the days are getting darker and more evil. Help us to redeem the time, not to waste a bunch of time. But really set our hearts and minds on you. So Father, again, we thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen, amen. Would you please stand? If you need prayer for anything at all, Jim's here to pray with you. We wanna minister to you in that way. Remember all the things that are taking place this week. Get it on a calendar Wednesday night, Lord willing. Hopefully we'll see you in our Wednesday night service. We're gonna close in song and then be dismissed.